Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I am your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. And I'm still really looking for like a concrete, consistent co-host. But at this point, I mean, like I've had, you know, this guy, Nick Fryer, on with me for the past, I don't know. I think think I've had you on for two of the past three episodes or three of the past four, something like that. So... He's on with me again, Nick Fryer, the uh, the editor of Nets Wire over USA Today Sports Media Group. He also covers the Boston Celtics for WEI, and he's on with me again. And at, at this point, man, he's kind of like my pseudo co-host until I can find somebody consistent. Nick, so would you here. say I'm kind of your the the Robin to your Batman? Oh my God, stop, stop! We are not going to go down this route. We're not. We're not. Batman <laughs> is a bad superhero. I'm just asking a question. That's all I asked. You made it sound like that. Because nope. people talk, you know, it's an NBA podcast too, right? I mean, everybody talks about the Batman and Robin and I mean, you're making it sound like I, I'm wearing red right now, Robin's colors. You're wearing black, Batman's color. So it just seems fitting. I, I can't, I can't get behind this movement. I can't. Oh, okay. All right. Well, sorry out there. No, I'm, I mean, listen, it was a good attempt. It was a good attempt. I have to give you a lot of credit for it, Nick, but uh, nope, no, we are, we're not going to go down the Batman route because Batman is a bad superhero of, of, Going to continue pushing that agenda as much as I can. So, <laughs> fair warning to everybody out there. I am suffering from a little bit of a stuffy nose. It's like it's either the allergies or the change of weather. All of a sudden, it's getting colder out here. I, it's always around this time, dude, where like my, my allergies go a little crazy. My nose gets stuffy. It's wild. Always around this time. You sound miserable. Absolutely miserable. No, you Completely. Sound I wouldn't even Com- know you had a cold. Completely. Just, my, my nose is stuffy. It's annoying. So, Fair warning to everybody out there. So, Nick, the 2019-20 season has finally come to an end. The <sighs> longest season, the longest season in NBA history comes to an end. And it ends with your favorite team, the Los Angeles Lakers, winning a 17th NBA championship to tie the Boston Celtics for the most in NBA history. LeBron James wins his fourth title. Um with three different teams. He now has four NBA Finals MVPs. Hell of a run for the Lakers. And LeBron James, man, what a what a run that this guy has had in his career. He's absolutely just incredible, really. Yeah, he is, Kai. He's very good. We all know this. I get annoyed with him. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on that side of things. And I, I got to say, when I see him on the podium winning a championship for the Lakers and then him <laughs> holding up, putting up the number four, to me, that just that bugged me right, right away. I was like, "Wait a minute, you're why? putting up why? Because it's about the Lakers winning the title, is it not? Oh it's about the team God. winning the title, not about you. <laughs> oh my you, God! You, you you're three of, of the titles. You won two with the Heat, and you won one with the Cavs. In that look, I'm not saying in general he can't be celebrating that on his own and whatever, but in that moment, it's about the Lakers winning it. And that's either now you say their 17th title, but they won five of those in Minneapolis. So if we got like Slam and other places saying how Rondo's the first guy to ever win a title with the Lakers and the Celtics, he's the first to do that with Los Angeles and Boston. But there's a guy who won it with Minneapolis, and I'm blanking on his name, but a guy who won it with Minneapolis and Boston, if that's not getting brought up, then why are we counting the first five titles for the Lakers as part of the, you know, their whole thing? I mean, it's, it's Los Angeles, Minneapolis, two different cities. Listen, man, the Lakers are the Lakers. I feel like the I feel like the only difference that like where you kind of you can't like combine their history, or is the Thunder and the Seattle SuperSonics. I feel like that's the only one you 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 really can't do. I feel like like those are two completely different franchises. If they became the Oklahoma City Thunder, 
Supersonics, would you have counted it? The Oklahoma City Thundersonics? Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, the whole o- o- Oklahoma City Supersonics. Forget the Thunder part. Or you could do the, yeah, Thundersonics? Like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, like, I feel like, I feel like I would just because they have, they kept the same name. Okay. If that's the criteria, then that's fair. I disagree with it, but well, I that's hear it. fair. I but like, for me, I mean, like, they kept the same name, you know? And so, like, if, it, if they were still the Oklahoma City Supersonics instead of becoming the Oklahoma City Thunder. Which is, just, like, that's, that whole thing's just stupid, too. You're the Lakers in California. I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I've been to California, I think, twice in my life. I don't remember seeing any lakes whenever I've gone there. I've seen a lot of water, but I don't remember any lakes. Yeah, I went out to L.A. once, and I saw oceans. I saw a lot of ocean. Yeah, a lot you know, of water there, yes, absolutely, yeah, but, but no lakes. No lakes, no, no, none at all. I would know. I'm, I'm from Michigan. we got a lot of lakes over there. Look, I can't, I, can't stand, I can't stand Lake or Gold. Like, I get physically <laughs> yeah, You mentioned Ill. that last time yes. on the podcast. Okay, yeah. I did. All right, I did. All right, I, I'm repeating myself. That and pinstripes. So I just – I can't stand either of them. So. Listen, at least the Rays beat the Yankees for you, right, Nick? Thank God. Thank God. That was, that was so – seeing all the Chapman give up that home run, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but that was so satisfying. Oh, I hear you. Mike Brasso from the Tampa Bay Rays sinking mm-hmm. the New York Yankees over the weekend. So the Lakers, they end up winning the title. LeBron, obviously, fourth title. Now, t- how does this correlate to the Philadelphia 76ers? And I'm going to kind of get into it. The Lakers beat the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals, uh, led by one Jimmy Butler. And another former Sixer on that roster, uh, Andre Iguodala, play- played a huge role for them off the bench for that Heat team. Iguodala spent his first eight seasons in Philadelphia. People forget. There are a couple lessons I feel like the Sixers can take from the Heat, though, Nick. I feel like they can. You know, a big word we we heard all throughout this playoff run when concerning the Heat was the word culture, the word and the word identity. Those were kind of the two big words associated with the Miami Heat. And and Butler said right before the final started, he was asked kind of like, "What's what's what's the difference between Miami and, and Philadelphia? Because you left a very talented Sixers team to come to the Heat, who." You know, this, the Heat roster before the season started, the casual fan's not going to know who the hell Duncan Robinson is. The right, ca- I agree. The casual fan isn't going to know who the hell Bam Adebayo is. You know what I'm saying? Like, the casual fan isn't going to know these guys. And Jimmy got them to the NBA Finals. And Jimmy kind of said, I'm allowed to be me here. I can scream. I can cuss. I can get into guys. You know, we work. That's the culture here. I want to work. And it just it really seems like that was kind of a, a little dig at Philadelphia even though he did clarify that he's got no issues with anybody on the Sixers. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the Sixers could really learn from the Heat and be like, dude, we need to find a culture. We need to find an identity. We need to build something here that can be sustained for the future. Yeah, and I think culture is just a big buzzword around the league now. And seeing what Jimmy Butler did was so – it feels so different compared to everybody else, especially when it's like, you know, you have to have – a top-notch superstar to get to the finals. And then, look, Jimmy Butler obviously took a huge step forward in his profile and everything, but nobody was going to call him a definitive, like, like top 10 superstar in the league or anything like that. So when you go, and at least I wasn't, you weren't, right? No, no, not okay. at all. So when he goes and does that and then helps lift the profile of Bam Adebayo, who's now – I would say he's a household name now. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and uh, Goran Dragic, who obviously was a a good player beforehand, but I think they're all respected a little bit differently. Now, when you see what he did, what one person did when he had, and he has that synergy with Eric Spolstra, I think across the league, everybody's got to look at it and say, 
hmm, maybe there is something more to this, you know, like not just being the most talented team and we're going to be fine if we just, we just got to roll the balls out and we're going to end up winning out because they, they, I know they're in the bubble, but they ended up beating the Heat. They ended up beating the Celtics. You don't have that home court advantage, you know, in the, as a factor in all this. So they, they said, all right, that's not going to be a detriment to us. Then we have no reason we shouldn't win. And I think for the Sixers, when you have a guy like Doc Rivers coming in, who I, I know he's, he alluded to some of this kind of stuff in his press conference, you, you have a guy who can kind of help shape that type of a culture if you have the guys with the right mindset which is something we talked about quite a bit when doc got hired first right you really have to kind of have that that winning mindset that championship mindset and that mindset to just kind of be able to get into your teammates and for philadelphia really that only guy is josh richardson and richardson really mentioned it all season there's no accountability here in philadelphia and remember josh played in miami for four seasons and i don't know if you saw it nick but Josh mentioned to us back in, um, I think it was like January or we don't know. It was December. It was like kind of Jimmy's second trip back to Philadelphia with the heat. And I think somebody asked him about Miami's culture. And he said, dude, in Miami, we, there was a preconditioning test before the conditioning test before training camp. <laughs> so like that, yeah. like, like that, that's how it is down there. And I, and I don't know if you saw Gary Payton's piece the other day for the players tribune, um, Peyton played for the Heat for a couple seasons. He won a title with them in 2006. And Peyton kind of went into the fact that Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra are so ingrained into the Heat culture. Riley was the coach when Peyton was there, and he had them doing eighth and ninth grade drills, like, like shuffling, you know, shit you do in, in high school. And these NBA players were loving it. And that's something Doc Rivers really needs to bring to the Sixers. Not saying he needs to bring those type of drills to it, but there needs to be a, like a, I guess like a bar for hard work and, and realizing that you guys need to come in, come in here and continue to put this hard work in every day or else you're not going to succeed. There's, there's, I think with the superstar players, there's just, there's so many different layers to it. I think that complicates things for coaches because you got a guy who's making, you know, whatever your top player is making loads of money he's making way more than that head coaches. So it's a greater investment for the team. And this happens across all sports, but especially in the NBA. And if the star player doesn't get along with a coach, he doesn't like that whole vibe that you're trying to put down, then they'll just say, Oh, we're going to get rid of you. I mean, look at what happened with the nets, right? As much as Kyrie goes and says, Oh, they didn't get rid of Kenny Atkinson. But then he comes out in the same breath and says, but we don't need a guy doing what Kenny did. It's like, well, wait a second. So, so, you, want, so you did want to get rid of Kenny. What is it? But, but my thing is, weird. I think, and I think there has to be a level of um, conviction, not only from the head coach, but whoever it is that's, that's linked to him closest, whether that's the general manager or your top player. Because in the case of the, the Heat, you have Pat Riley, who's calling all the shots, and then you have Eric Spolster right there, and they are in lockstep together. They're like family. Yep. With, and then Jimmy Butler goes and adds on to that, and then you have some serious synergy there, where now you would think, eh, maybe, they, maybe one more star player goes there, and then it's like, holy shit, the Heat are a serious problem. Yep. I think for the, for the Sixers, they're going to need a guy who, can buy, who buys into Doc stuff. Now, I know we talk about Richardson, and, I, and I've, I was right there with you when we talked about it, how you need a guy who can be that leader, that can help get across Doc's message. I think even more so now, as as I've sat and thought about it, you need a, you need a, a either Simmons or Embiid, and I look at, at Embiid a little bit more so in this case to endorse whoever is going to be if Richardson's going to be that leader, or you need him to be in lockstep with Doc as well, something to that end. And then Brand needs to be back in that too because you need to have 
these the coaches can't just be worried about like you know what's the GM going to think? I'm, like am I going to lose my job if I if I make one mistake? I they need to have some level of room to be who they are. And Doc was given that in um, in LA. Obviously, he he underperformed there perpetually, right. but I, I think that's such an important part in all this. I feel like that's going to be really huge um, for Philadelphia moving forward. Is what you just mentioned, Nick. You really have to be able to get your stars to kind of buy into your system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I read something. Um, Actually, no, I didn't even read it. It was Allen Iverson when he was on All the Smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. Mm-hmm. And he said Larry Brown, like, got into him one day. Like, for some reason, with this one practice, Larry Brown just decided to just, you know, make Iverson's day, like, the biggest hellhole he's ever been in his life. Mm-hmm. And Iverson was confused. He was like, coach, what the fuck? Like, like I'm your guy. I'm, I'm the coach. Or I'm, I'm your star. And then Larry Brown, after practice, pulled him in and said, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to do that because now I can coach everybody else. So mm-hmm. if you can get the star to really buy in, which is going to be important here with Doc Rivers getting Joel and Ben to buy into what he wants to do, all of a sudden that sets your culture, that sets the accountability, that sets everything for the rest of the team and the Sixers can move forward as a squad. So mm-hmm. to that point, Nick, yeah, absolutely. You need Ben and Joel to buy in. Um, now there was a second thing that really stood out to me uh, in, in this series. And I feel like uh, Elton Brand should absolutely have this – underlined in red and circled in bold letters shooting shooting oh shocker that's not just, right shocker not just miami nick but even la i mean like shooting for both of those sides hell rajon rondo turned into like a 40 percent three-point shooter in, in these playoffs granite bubble i get it 40 percent three-point shooter from rajon rondo is absolutely crazy though but then you look at Miami, though. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Jay Crowder, uh, Goran Dragic, um, Kelly Olenek. All of those guys are hitting threes. You go to L.A., Danny Green, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Rondo, Caruso. Even Anthony Davis uh, was shooting well from deep in these playoffs and in the finals. Hey, Elm Brand, shooting works in this league. Go get some. Yeah, it's 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 – obviously crucial but I think when it comes down to that too as much as you want to like you cite Davis and how he can kind of help stretch the floor a little bit you know I look at Embiid when you bring him up and I think it's it's important that he can go and do that but I don't need him to go and necessarily be this you know lights out knockdown three-point shooter because I still think he's going to make his money in the paint because who the hell is going to stop him in this league there's very few guys if anybody that can do that right and and I so but I think you're right still in the general scheme of things you've got to go get guys who are, are knockdown shooters you, I mean that's a, the same problem that Boston's had too that's why you know you everybody looks at Joe Harris and is like who's going to get Joe Harris the Nets are not going to let him go there's no, no shot in hell because he is one of the best guys out there and he still shot what was it like 42 percent last year and he had like five trips overseas so he, he had like a, his year was much worse than I think it, it normally would have been and he still was over 40 percent but yeah they, the right. Nets I mean the um, the Sixers absolutely need to go and add one or two guys like that. It's, it's, it's crucial. And I think Horford, I don't know his numbers off the top of my head, but I always felt like he was fine for, for a big man. Um, at least by like old standards. I can't remember if he was average or average at best or not, but looking at him where a guy who's not, you know, doing a whole heck of a lot on the, on the offensive end of the floor in terms of looking for his shot, Maybe try and add that a little bit more. Maybe try and firm that up a little bit in your game because you're going to be – he's not going anywhere. You guys aren't moving that contract. So if you can do that, that right. would probably be helpful. I mean, Horford shot 35% from deep this year on 4.2 attempts. So, okay. I mean, that's fine. Obviously, it's av- league average. But you, I would like a little bit more out of him, a little more focus on that end of the floor when he's working on his stuff in the offseason. 
Yeah, I feel like at this point, he absolutely has to kind of turn into a three-point shooter, especially at this point if the Sixers are going to continue to either have him in the starting lineup, especially with him and Joel and Ben. Now, granted, everybody thinks the Sixers can move Al Horford to Sacramento for Buddy Heald. Maybe they could. Sacramento's not smart. They're, you know, they have a history of making a lot of questionable decisions when it comes to their organization. The Kings? No way. No, not the Kings. Not the Sacramento Kings. Parental powerhouse. I can't believe they still have a team in Sacramento. Anyways. What's crazy is, you know, they haven't made the playoffs since 2006. Is it that long? It's, I mean, that's not – I don't think it's that crazy, honestly. It's, they're so irrelevant. I mean – like, you know, what's crazy is I, I, was, I was actually, I Googled it the other day. Like, who was the starting lineup for the 06 Kings in the playoffs? Because I was, I was, I was curious. Okay. Nick, it was Mike Bibby. Okay, I would have guessed him. Bonzi Wells. Wouldn't have guessed him. Ron Artest. Really? Yes. I forgot he played for the Kings. Ron Artest. Uh, former Sixer Kenny Thomas. And Brad Miller. Okay, Miller's okay. Miller and and I would have I might have guessed Miller. Definitely would have guessed Bibby. I I thought Weber was still on the team at that point. I guess not. No, Weber was in Philadelphia. Was he? Yeah, Weber got traded to the Sixers in the middle of the oh four oh five season. Okay, okay. So he got traded to the Kings for like Kenny Thomas and uh, I, I forget the other couple guys. I just remember Kenny Thomas was kind of like the focal point of that trade on the Kings end. And, yeah, so Weber was with the Sixers at the time. And then Sacramento traded Paige Stoyakovich to Indiana for Ron Artest. When are they going to move? Seriously. Put, put, set, you know what? You want a team back in Seattle? I, know, I mean, I know they got the storm there and everything in there you can ask, but why don't you send the Sacramento Kings back to Seattle? I don't think anybody's going to complain about that. Hey, listen, man, the, the city of Sacramento might miss the Kings. I don't know. So, but real quick, do you think the Sixers could get – Buddy healed though. Like, like if Elton Brand were to hit up Sacramento and be like, okay, what would it take to get Buddy healed from you guys? And you're the Kings GM. What are you asking for in return for Buddy Heald? Now okay, remember, so- now remember, Heald has a big contract too. So I mean, the like you could easily absorb Horford's deal. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at the. I don't know the money for both ends on this one. So, I mean, never mind like the contract. I mean, I know Horford has a big one too, but I haven't looked at like, you know, the cap space and all these kinds of things. But if I'm the, if I'm the, the Kings and I'm punting on Buddy Heald, then I'm going to need some comp- some draft compensation and all this too. As much as, you know, th- this could put the Sixers over the top. I mean, well, actually ESPN has the Sixers as what the third best team in the Eastern Conference right now, the day we're recording this. But I, I would say I need – uh, probably two two draft picks for him. If you're going to give me Al At Horford, least. which is a, a dump for you, you know Al Horford, you're getting a shooter that you need. He's one, you know, he's one of our best players. You know, we we have Darren Fox, and we're and, you know by losing Buddy Hield and then Darren Fox, um, like what what are we now? What is our identity now? So I'm going to need two first round picks, and probably Al Horford. If you're getting, like because you're again you're dumping there, so it's like a huge huge win for the Sixers. They do that. Yeah, I mean, if you can get out of Horford's deal and bring in a guy like Heald, who shot – he shot 39.4% from deep for the Kings this year. And really, we all know Heald's unhappy in Sacramento. He only started 44 of the 72 games he played in for them this year. Uh, they benched him in favor of Bogdan Bogdanovich, which, again, it's, it's a weird situation. Like, why would you sign a guy to a big contract – you know, you, you think he can form a really great backcourt with De'Aaron Fox and then bench him in favor of Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is a fine player, but 
Buddy mm-hmm. Heald at this point probably better than Bogdan Bogdanovich. So it's just it's so weird. And as you mentioned, the Kings are just they're 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 a weird franchise. They are who they are. Yep. So if I'm the Kings, I would definitely try to get out of there, out of Buddy's contract because he's so unhappy. And honestly, Nick, I feel like that trade package that you just kind of put together off the top of your head, Horford, two for two picks. If I'm Elton Brand, I would do that. Yeah, I would absolutely do that. But then the problem that, that the Sixers then probably start to run into too is, Kai, who, if the Kings are going to be shopping Buddy Heald or if other teams are if, – if the Sixers are asking the Kings about Buddy Heald and that's the offer they get, you know they're going to be calling other teams. And I have to imagine there are some other teams that have better offers than Al Horford. Most so, likely. There are a lot of teams that could offer a lot more than Al Horford right now. Yeah. But for the Kings, though, and, and what we were just talking about earlier, for a franchise that hasn't made the playoffs in now 14 years – maybe bring in a veteran who has never missed the playoffs in his career, mm-hmm. have him come in there, be a mentor. Al did show that he can still play the center position in this league at a pretty good level. Like his numbers when Joel was off the floor and Al played center were good. They were good mm-hmm. numbers. Just he can't play power forward next to Joel. And then you have a point guard and Ben Simmons who still refuses to take jump shots. So Obviously, it's going to be an awkward fit, and his numbers are going to be skewed because of that. But Al's numbers when Joel were off the floor, pretty good when he got him playing center. The other the other big – they have Rishon Holmes over in Sacramento, and I can't remember who else there was. Alex oh, Len. Alex Len. Okay, so it would be, be turned into Rishon Holmes and, and Al Horford would be their big man rotation then. I mean, I, that might work. I mean, I just – there's also Marvin Bagley the third, but Bagley. Mm, that's, okay, that's what I was forgetting. Yep. But, but Bagley gets Bagley only played 13 games this year. That's the thing, and I feel like Bagley can be a future All Star in this league just because like he's so active around the rim. And this year he averaged 14 and seven and a half rebounds in 13 games. And um, I mean he even showed off a little a little bit of range, beginning to kind of take some more three pointers a little bit. So. Uh, I feel like Bagley can be a really, really good player in this league, but he gets hurt a lot. Yeah, yeah. The, so. the, the, uh, for the King, like for the Sixers, it's a no-brainer. For the Kings, it's a tough one because I, I mean, you just are you going to punt on Hill? Like, are you that not? Are you, do you lack that much confidence in your ability to make the postseason um, with the what? The, look at the bottom of the barrel, right of the, the league. I mean, the, the Blazers were the ones that ended up making it all, but like the Blazers, the Grizzlies and uh the pelicans like all the the, the it's gonna be the western conference is already tough you know obviously there are tiers to the division but when you look at the the bottom of the barrel i mean it's like it's like there's the teams that are contending for a title and for the western conference title and then there's the teams you know trying to be the next best like in that the next best team of that like second tier and the Kings are at the bottom, I feel like, of that list, especially what we saw from the Phoenix Suns, too. So it's going to be – there's a position for them to to move on, to punt on this group. But it's like the, the fan base, I cannot imagine they're going to take that well. So I, I don't – I mean, maybe that's a move that makes that transition a little bit easier if you can get a couple of picks. But it's a tough one. For, for the Sixers, I mean, they need to be knocking on the doors of any team that has a shooter – that is not contending for a title because it's an absolutely a must-have for them. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Absolutely, 110%. Because the Sixers don't have any free agency, you know, options really. Nick, they have six million dollars to use in free agency this offseason. Like they, and then combine that with the fact that we don't know what the salary cap's going to look like just yet. Uh, we got the draft next month, November 18th. 
Um, free agency is probably not going to begin until like December. Like, so nobody really knows what free agency is even going to look like. And if Philadelphia is truly only going to have five and a half, six million dollars to play with in free agency, the early, there are only like two options that come to mind, Nick. And one of them is Links and Galloway from Detroit. He shot 40% from deep for a bad Piston team. Mm-hmm. And then you can maybe look at a guy like DJ Augustine, who shot pretty well, and he could be like a, you know, a really good ball handler for them. Mm-hmm. Well, then there's another guy, too, that's kind of now thrown him his hat in the ring, I guess, for any team to go get him. I mean, he could still end up following the money. Who knows? But Danilo Gallinari, right? Sportando, I think it was. Gallinari is another they, one, yeah. He's a free agent, and obviously he, he commands, like, a fairly sizable contract. So he had uh, – with the Clippers, he had an average annual salary of, like, $21.5 million. But he's yeah. done. He said, and again, according to Sportando, like, he wants – he cares more about winning now, not so much about the money. So obviously he's still going to get a decent chunk of change. Six million dollars is nothing to sniff. Like, you know, that's not nothing. But right. when you look at the, the deals he had before, his entry level contract, 3.3 million per year. The next year, 10 and a half million per year. And then the one before this last one was 15 million a year. So now he's made his money. He wants a ring now. You want a shooter. I would think the Sixers should be trying to at least sell them on like, hey, if we get you, we're all set. You are the piece that we are missing. We might try and make a new for, move for another guy too, but we absolutely need you. And, and if they can fit him in, then that's, that's absolutely, like, you know, monetarily and everything, like, you know, sign him on a, a lower deal. If he's really honest about that, then they're going to be good. But I could see him, I could see the Heat swooping in. I could see the Celtics swooping in on that too. I would, heck, I wouldn't even rule out the Nets because they're, you know, they want to try and add to their roster too. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of teams going for Gallinari. And I did see that quote when he was like, listen, like, you know, a title is more important than money. I'm not 20 anymore. You know, I want to win a title. And the Sixers actually had interest in Gallinari at the trade deadline. They just, they weren't able to kind of get a deal done with Oklahoma City. And then, you know, they went after Glenn Robinson the third and Alec Ooh. Burks. Yeah. <laughs> big, big difference makers. In the end. Yeah. <laughs> listen, but even me. then, kind of like you have, like Celtics don't have a lot of wiggle room. The Nets don't have a lot of wiggle room. And Absolutely. I don't know the Heat situation quite as well monetarily, but I would imagine they don't have a whole hell of a lot of wiggle room too. So I don't know. Like, because remember, the, the Heat the Heat roster, Goran Dragic is a free agent. Um, I think Iguodala is a free agent. They're like half their roster, I remember. It, it, you know, I think – a lot of players on their roster are hitting free agency, the big one being Dragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only guys under contract, I think, are Butler and, you know, Adebayo and, like, the bigger guys. But I think even Duncan Robinson could be a free agent, too, off the top of my head. I'm not completely sure, but I feel like he is. Well, the other thing, too, Kai, is that we don't know what the salary cap's going to look like exactly yet, right? Exactly. It hasn't been set yet because of what happened last year. Obviously, now we, we keep seeing that the, that the Chinese fan base has come back. But, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, which is huge for, for players going forward in the salary cap and everything. But this year is probably going to – I would think it's probably going to take a hit, after, especially after what happened with the bubble and whatnot, too. Yeah, right. Like, because like, people still forget about, you know, China. And, and you know what happened in the um, in the preseason, and and sure everybody kind of wants to look at the pandemic, and obviously like that's a huge thing. But you know losing China for like a full calendar year, and China not showing NBA games or anything like that was really that's huge. That hits the NBA in their pockets like so like in a very big huge way. And the fact that China was finally able to kind of get back, and they I think they showed Game Five and Game Six of the NBA Finals. That's big for the league. So you combine China. With the pandemic, the bubble, no fans, uh, they lost. They lost out on that. Ratings were particularly low this year. Nobody knows why, but 
they were. So we again, we really don't know why or what the salary cap's really going to look like in, in free agency for this offseason. It's going to be very interesting. And if you're the Sixers, even even if the salary cap was regular, again, you don't have a lot of money to use in free agency. So Elton Brand's going to have to get very creative in trades, which, Nick, we have seen in the past that Elton Brand has been very creative in making trades. So he's going to have to go out there and get a shooter because if, if you look at these NBA finals between not only Miami but Los Angeles as well, they, they had enough shooting around their, their stars and they had enough guys who put the ball on the floor, creators. There were a, lot of, a couple of different things that they had that Philadelphia didn't have. And, like, real quick, I wanted to get your opinion on this too, Nick. And I guess we'll kind of close it out with this. I feel like the NBA's ratings were low this year just because um, – uh, uh, excuse me, the NBA Finals as a whole. First of all, they're, it's, they're being played in October when you have football going on, where, like, eventually at the end of the day, man, football is king no matter what. People are going to watch football more than anything. On top of that, you had the baseball playoffs going on, where baseball isn't exactly the most popular sport in America, but people love playoff games. People are going to watch the baseball playoffs as well. And on top of that, it's also an election year. You know, people are are looking at – they're watching debates. They're watching – you know, because we have a huge – decision to make here in the, in the coming weeks so i feel like that's why the nba's ratings were low this year just it was just kind of like a a bunch of things rolled into one that kind of went all up against the uh, the nba yeah i think when you look at the year as a whole it's it's a weird one trying to figure all that sort of stuff out um you know i think the the warriors not being where they were you know not having steph curry I, and Clay Thompson, I think, hurt big time. And then Kevin Durant not being around all year, I think that hurt too. I, and I'm curious to see, you know, Kevin Durant can come back and then all the, and the ratings go up and then everybody's like, oh, maybe it's KD that has that kind of power. I, maybe. I don't miss, I'm not entirely certain. Now, I was concerned at the beginning of the year. I was very disappointed with a lot. But now when we look at the, the NBA Finals, especially Kai, well, I mean, look, I wanted the Heat to win. I believe you, you wanted the Heat to win too, right? I wanted the Heat to win just because I had more Jimmy Butler content. But okay, so I wanted <laughs> I wanted the Heat to win because I like Jimmy Butler a lot. I actually tweeted this out: Jimmy Butler has turned into what I what I thought Paul George would turn into back when he was in Indy. Like that, like because Paul George was the guy. Like I always look at him as like, yeah, the Celtics were the ones who were you know right in LeBron's face when he first came into the league and everything, and they had they weren't intimidated by him. But Paul George was like that next wave of guys who was like. I'm not intimidated by you and I'm going to try and go toe to toe with you. And I love that about him. And now he's kind of, you know, he's been disappointing over the years. He's good. I still love him, but it's just not the same. Jimmy Butler was like, fuck you, get out of my face. I don't yep. care. And that's yep. what I want. So that's why, you know, that's why I love him. But we, we wanted that, but it, we knew like it was, a, it was going to be real tough for the heat to go and pull it off. And, and I mean, look, the NBA, like I guess in the last episode, the NBA wanted the Lakers to win for sure. But I just, I don't think it mattered in the end. And I think that's where you lose the fans because with the Lakers, it's like, well, are the Heat really going to, like, are they really going to upset them? Come on. We all know. Like, yes, we were watching it, and there were some fun games and some good fights in it, but we all knew what was going to happen in the end, and that's what makes it so tough, I think. And, and then, you know, yeah, the nature of the bubble and all that, sure. In the, in the election year, definitely. But I think just you were dealing with an uphill battle with it being the Heat that was there and not necessarily – the Lakers, I mean, the Celtics, or uh, or maybe even the Bucks too. That is that that is fair. I mean, like I feel like a lot of people kind of treated it like the 07 finals, like between Cleveland and San Antonio, because it was like, yay, great, LeBron got there. He's young, Cleveland, great, but they're playing Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manager Nobly. Like they're not they're not beating the Spurs. 
the, I feel like the difference there though is it's like you know San Antonio swept Cleveland, and I think that I think the 07 finals. I remember the 07 finals had like the worst ratings of like of, of like all time because again, kind of the same points you just brought up, Nick. Nobody really thought the Cavaliers even had a shot against the Spurs, and I, I feel like it was the same. And I, exactly, I mean San Antonio swept them. And I feel like it was the same thing with this NBA Finals. I feel like everybody was like, okay, yeah, great, Miami, great story. But we all know the Lakers are going to beat them up because they're the Lakers. I had Lakers in six when the series started. So, I mean, I kind of – I got my way. I was cool. I mean, Jimmy Jimmy had two historic performances in the finals. I feel like this finals was entertaining on my end. It was really cool to kind of see a guy from Michigan, Duncan Robinson. Shout out my guy over there, Go Blue. And, uh, you know, Duncan Robinson had a hell of a run for the Miami Heat there. He's from New England first. Just remember that. No, no, we adopted him. He's from the Midwest. Relax. I mean, I like the Midwest, too. I lived out there for four years. Hey, man, we adopted him. He, he's a full-fledged Michigander. I don't care what anybody says now. So, Duncan Robinson. Oh, don't, don't, don't adopt him for Michigan, though. Oh. oh, my God. Knock it off. Knock it off. So, Nick, <laughs> final thoughts, man. I mean, like, do, 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 you, feel, do you feel like – do you feel like the Heat should kind of be like the not not I don't want to say the model franchise in the NBA. That's the wrong word, but I feel like the Heat should be a franchise that some teams should try to emulate. Just mm-hmm. because, like for example, I think the Heat they missed the playoffs like two or three years. I think they missed it in um, uh, Dwayne Wade's first year going to Chicago. Uh, then he came back for that full year. They made the then he, then he came back the year after the trade from Cleveland. They made the playoffs, lost some lost to Philadelphia around one, and then last year they missed the playoffs. Two out of three years they missed the playoffs after you know reaching the finals, all their success. And the Heat didn't fire Eric Spolstra. Like there was no concern that Eric Spolstra was going to lose his job. There was no concern about any of that. It was just kind of like okay, let's retool. And I feel like there are a lot of franchises in the NBA that kind of hit the panic button way too early. Yeah, it happens a lot. I mean, I think I think that's just kind of how this league has – it's what it's become, you know, with the tanking and trying to, you know, quickly reshuffle things and, and move in another direction. And it's like, well, it's – you've got to be patient. you got to pick – got to know, like, with LeBron around, it makes things very tough. And if you don't have a certain few guys – and that's how it is with, with every era of the NBA when you look at it. It started right. out with Bill Russell, right? You, you didn't win when you played Bill Russell's team. Nope. And then um, – the seventies I'm not as good at, but then you have Larry Bird and you have Magic Johnson, and then yeah. you have Michael Jordan, and then it became the Lakers and the Spurs in the next decade, and then it became LeBron. Primary, you know, was the, the the one who you had to go through every single time, and then yep. obviously it happened a few times where people beat him, and then it was the Warriors, you know, in that in that same decade. So it's just you you want to shift things in such a quick direction. My thing is you got I like. Spolstra is the guy who I give credit to a thousand percent in all this. Like he's the first guy I look at, but. Pat Riley, you know, you've mentioned it, and I think a lot of other people have too in the courses. You can't overlook what he's done. When you think of, like, like right, uh, Phil Jackson gets credit for being probably the best head coach of all time. But when you talk about the best, like, basketball person of all time, at least when it comes to the NBA, I think it goes to Red Auerbach first, obviously. Yeah. And then I would say, you know, Phil Jackson default is in that conversation. But if you remove him, it's probably Pat Riley after him, right? Yeah. I mean, Popovich is, yeah. is, is in there for coach, but Pat Riley's right there. And you can't overlook that. Having somebody who, who helps set the tone from the top and is willing to play the long game with, your, with you know, a coach or whatever, and as long as you can get on the same page. And I think the other thing, too, is, Kai, talent is so important in this league. There's no doubt about it. But 
there is something to be said, and Jimmy Butler has proven it, about having a guy who has the right approach, the right met, the right work ethic, and everything. And, and, and that's one thing about Zion, too, as like a quick aside that I'm excited to see. Because I don't necessarily look at him and think, oh, he's Jimmy Butler. He's got that, like, that like assassin instinct in him. Yeah. But I think he's got, he's got like a, a good head on his shoulders. And I wonder if that's going to help carry him to a level that where maybe he surpasses LeBron. I know that's like such a far-fetched thing and so far down the road. But he's got the physical tools and everything that if he can stay healthy, I just wonder – is he that next guy and like what is the limit for him because he has like the right you know the right approach you know not, I know LeBron's been successful in everything but his physical tools I feel like are always what carries him more than like his approach to everything else no I get it totally get it so Nick man I'm looking forward to a crazy offseason man looking huh. forward to uh hey I'm, I'm looking forward to a quick offseason we don't know when next season's going to begin we hope sometime in uh, – we're hoping for January. Uh, the real guest – the real date will probably be February, maybe March. Who knows? But we're hoping for January. So make sure you guys follow Nick over on Twitter. Nick underscore Fryer. Yes, sir. Look at you. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, Nick underscore Fryer. You can check him out on netswire.com and also all of his stuff covering the Celtics for WEEI. So – Nick, I want to let you know, Batman, trash superhero. That's where we're ending it. We're out. We'll see you guys next time on the Bell Ringer. Batman sucks. 